0: Schedulicity has done it once again. They, uh, uh, in addition to their five thousand dollar a month grant that they give to a barber or to a hairstylist, um, they just uh, they just made it so it's a little bit easier to make some money. Yeah, I mean they uh,
1: came out with a credit card processing uh, payment system called Schedulicity
0: Pays. It's pretty exciting, right? I mean, like they're offering it uh, they're offering credit card processing for one point nine nine percent or ten cents a, a swipe, but. And what's cool about
1: thats That they'll get, even give you a uh, free uh, card reader. That's unheard of, right? Because
0: I know I paid like a bunch of money for mine. Yeah, you know. So
1: they're going to give it to you free, and then
0: only charge you one point nine nine per-
1: percent with uh, ten cent a swipe
0: fee, right? Yeah, you can't beat that. You can't beat that at all. I um, and also, what's really cool too is it works within your Schedule City app, so you don't even have to leave the app or use a different um, like app outside of outside of the uh, you know the 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 already app, right? Yeah, you just stay in one platform. That's Can't a, get easier than that either. I'm like... <laughs> I know, right? And you can uh, manage all your, uh, all your papers right through there, right? Yeah, all your inventory and everything. It, You know, all major credit cards are accepted. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And the best part, which is also what makes Schedulicity incredible, is their their customer service, or as I like to be called... The Rockstars. The Rockstars. So you still have the love, same... Love, the rock
1: stars. the Rockstars. The
0: Rockstars are are the difference makers in this company, as far as I'm concerned. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you still get that uh, that that same service with them. Um, so I mean, literally getting paid just got a little bit better. Yeah.
1: And then for uh, more information, just visit SchedulicityCares.com dot com to find out uh, more information on getting paid. Schedule cares.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Cory and of course I'm sitting with my best bud. Tony, what's up, man? what's going on brother you man um so uh i, I kind of want to get right into it because i don't know i don't want to talk a lot i want to kind of get right into the conversation but today we were um we were introduced to our guest today from the one and only in the great Tabitha coffee um if you if you remember when we uh, when we did the podcast a few months ago with tabitha she actually brought this lady up and brought her organization up and um and we're really excited to talk about her. And I think that um, you and I talked about making it our goal this year is to help this organization out as much as we possibly can. And um, we thought that, you know, just, just uh, having uh, uh, this lady on the podcast was the first way that we could help.
1: Absolutely. We, um, we talked, actually talked about her in September when we did the live podcast with Tabitha, Uh Uh, you know, and, and luckily a a few of our friends or a friend, uh, Ritt, he's going to actually make it to Cambodia this year, uh, to visit her organization to help. And he's going to join us hopefully next year as well. Yeah. So I, I, I'm super excited.
0: I'm sure so, I'm actually really excited to hear what Ritz experience is when he gets back. So today we're talking to Selena Thomasich, and good she, job. um, yeah. ah, good job. Woo. <laughs> and she, um, she's, I guess we'll get her official title, but you know, she's the founder of hair aid and, um, I don't even want to get into a tone. I mm-hmm. think I think that she's the best person to talk about it. I'll we'll mess it up. We totally will. And then uh, you know, <laughs> then you know, she and she's actually calling in. Uh, this is our first time. She's calling all the way in from um from Australia. Um and uh, well, let's get in, shall we?
1: Yeah, this is definitely our furthest phone call podcast yet. So yeah,
0: We're, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we did it from Cambodia. I don't know, uh, you know, <laughs> geographically how much further uh, uh Cambodia is or Australia is from each other, but or from us, you know guess we have to look at it on a line map or something. But Miss uh, Selena Tomasic, welcome to your day off.
3: Well, thank you. And what an honor to be here with you guys. And I'm pretty sure Australia is further than Cambodia from where you are. So I think I win that one. Yes. Whoop, whoop, she wins. Well, I
0: mean, <laughs> I guess from everybody in the US, we're, we're recording this um, early January 2020. Um, and you guys are under fire, man. What's going on there? Oh, we so
3: are, you know, like I've always said and joked, you know, but if we live in Australia, so we're either on fire or we're in flood or we're in drought. But, you know, it's, it's devastating right here at the moment. Um, it's, you know, heartbreaking. We've had four months of fire and the fires are classified as out of control. Um, we've had firefighters from around the world come and join us here in Australia and give us a handout. We've had lots from Canada, um, the US, New Zealand, um, England come out because our firefighters, they've been fighting fires 24-hour days for, for four months. So we're surrounded. It's They're exhausted. The people who are fleeing their homes keep having to flee their homes. They get to a safe place and they have to move on. The devastation to our animal and wildlife here is beyond anything we've ever seen before the figures are up at half a million of our wildlife has been lost and that's just the wildlife that we can count not not the bees and the insects and um you know it's it's hard it's really hard at the moment for many many people
1: i mean we see it's daily on our news as well so we see it all the time it is it just yeah it's so sad
0: really heartbreaking so, um, aside from the fires and stuff, uh, Selena, where, where, I mean, we know you're from Australia, but, uh, tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you grew up and all that stuff and what life normally is when it's not, um, you know, erupted in flames.
3: We're not on fire. Um, well, exactly. we're Australians, so we're battlers, as you know. So I am a Queensland girl. So if you look at a map of Australia and you look at the pointy end on the right-hand side, I'm in that sort of space there. I come from Brisbane uh, at the moment. So I'm here for work. But I grew up on the Sunshine Coast and it's an amazing place, the Sunshine Coast. It's beautiful beaches. If you can imagine the white, white sand, the blue, blue ocean and the gorgeous sun beating down, that's where I grew up. It was such a hard life. Um,
1: (laughs) Big, big sharks.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we do. We do have sharks. But we also, the the ocean where I live, um, we have dolphins come and visit. So I can go for a 5 a.m. swim in the beach and up, pods a pod of dolphins could pop up beside me. You've got about fourteen seconds to work out if they're dolphins or sharks, um, and to decide whether you stay in the water or get out. But yeah, there's a few there's a few <laughs> beasties over here.
0: 14 seconds is way too long. It'd be like three seconds. I'd be I'd be observing from the beach going, friend or foe, friend or
1: foe, <laughs> and then I'd get back in. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'd get back. I don't I wouldn't want to find out if it's a friend or a foe.
0: <laughs> well, I would identify it first as a friend or a foe from the beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you see, see your you friends, eat.
1: when you see your friends getting eaten,
0: then <laughs> <it kicks out. laughs> swim just fast enough.
3: Right. At, yes. Well, that's what my husband says. He says if we're in any danger, I just have to outswim
0: you. Right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right. That's exactly right.
1: Well, that's what yeah. that guy on that bicycle thought when uh, his friend got jumped by a mountain lion here, and he took off. And the mountain lion said, "You know what? That guy looks more fun." So he left the guy that he originally t- attacked <laughs> and went to go get
0: the glasses <laughs> guy and left just the bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 that's <funny>. um, yeah <laughs> that's tragically funny <laughs> yeah. yeah so 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 selena how um how'd you find the hair uh, industry or are you in the hair industry or tell us t- tell us a little bit about that part well it's really
3: it's a strange story it's the best story ever so if you're a marketing guru and you wanted to market a company then like my story is the best I, it's it started 10 years ago now so i've been doing this for more than a decade and i'm not a hairdresser I'm actually, no. a, I'm actually a nerdy university lecturer and I teach business, entrepreneurship, leadership, and team dynamics. Um, what? But my, I know. It's crazy, right? Well, but um, the good news is, is I like beer. So uh, my, <laughs> husband, my husband and I were travelling through the back blocks of Manila uh, more than a decade ago, nearly 11 years ago, and we'd done 11, um, four weeks Backpacking, So we'd flown back into Metro Manila, ready to catch our flight home, get back to reality and our jobs. And my husband had said to me, I want to watch the footy and I want a beer. Not that we hadn't been drinking beer for the last four weeks, but you know, <laughs> right. if oh. you watch the footy, you got to have a beer. <laughs> so we Googled this, you know, Australian pubs because we wanted to watch the Australian footy um, Manila and he came up with this dingy little pub called Outback Jacks. So like, any more Australian you can't get. And no it way. was it was tiny, and um, it had, came complete with a stuffed crocodile on the wall and veggie mite toast on the menu. <laughs> and it was we, so we went in there and um, we looked at the at the TV, and it wasn't playing the right football for my husband. He wanted to watch a different code. So you know, we thought that's okay. We've got cold beer. We're fine. So we were sitting there, and these two lovely ladies walked in. Now, I'd mentioned that I'd been travelling with my husband, with my husband backpacking for the last four weeks. So I was ready to talk to a fence post. <laughs> um, no, I love my husband desperately. I just use that as a joke. Um, I'm a have a chat. Don't sit next to me on a plane, okay? Because you, you're 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 captured for eight hours with me. Um, <laughs> but I love talking to people, you know, I love talking to people and I love hearing people's stories. So these two lovely ladies walked in and they were sitting down. They'd also come in to watch the footy, but they wanted to watch the footy that was actually playing. But unfortunately they got talking to me. Um, <laughs> one was one was Canadian one was Australian. Could obviously tell that by their accents. So I spoke to the Canadian first and I said, what are you doing here? you know do you live here do you work here are you holiday um and she said I, I live and work here and I said what do you do and she said I'm a university lecturer and I was absolutely blown away because I never would I find another university lecturer sitting in a dingy pub in the back blocks of Manila and then I said to her what do you teach and she's like oh I teach business and I went so do I no way and we taught the same subjects we taught we taught entrepreneurship and back then, that wasn't like a, you know, a, a thought of subject or a highlighted subject in university. And so we were having chitty chats and talking about all this amazing stuff. And even today, throughout the whole Hair Edge story, that one particular point in time still blows me away that I would find another academic in the back blocks of Manila that taught the same subjects. Because I could walk down to Brisbane pubs down here and I've got eight universities around me and it wouldn't happen. So it was like, if you, whatever you believe in, the universe, serendipity, whatever, that conversation still blows me away. So not satisfied, I started chatting to the other lovely lady and I said to her, what do you do? Do you live here, work here, holiday? And she said, oh, I work for an organisation that collects children that have been left in the street because their parents are too poor to feed them and we collect them before the drug runners and the mafia and the prostitution gangs do. And I went. I went. Oh, okay. So you work for an orphanage? And she said, No. It's not like that. It's not an orphanage. And I said, well, What is it? And she said, I work for an organisation that, while we collect the children and keep them safe, our end goal is to reconnect them with their parents. And you know, we take the children, and we've got we've got a location, and we. When when we have them, we delouse them and we feed them and we look after their spiritual needs because they're a Catholic society over there, so that's very important to them. Um, And we have somewhere safe for them to be. And when they feel comfortable, we ask them who their parents are and we say to them, who's your parents? What's your parents' name? Do you have any brothers and sisters? And then they go back to that province and they find the parents. Wow. And they, they find the parents and they say, we have your child and they're safe. But did you know that leaving them there, the prostitution gangs, the mafia, the drug runners, because unfortunately the prostitution gang, the drug runners, all that, pose as orphanages or child adoption agencies.
2: And serious? the parents,
3: mm-hmm wow. happens still today, and the parents they will go there they would take their children there and they sometimes meet these drug runners and quite evil people and they'll have a beautiful brochure and they'll say we'll take your child and they'll be adopted and they actually say they'll be adopted by an american family because the american family is the pinnacle of what these parents would want for their children and they show them beautiful photos of their of a bedroom and some a kid with braces on their teeth and going to school and they sometimes even pay the family fifty dollars to take the child if the child is particularly good looking. And so this lady that I'd met in the in the bar, Kate, um, she was saying that the parents thought that they were going to you know orphanages or child adoption agencies, but it, the reality was that they were going into the drug runners and the prostitution hands and all of that. So I said, well, how can you know when you reconnect that child back to the parents? They're still too poor to feed them. So are are we just on a treadmill here? Like where's the solution to this? And she said, no, what we do is we we get the the parents a livelihood skill. And I went, great, what do you teach them? And she said, oh, we're no good at it. She said, but I'd love to start a sewing centre. Now, I'm still not a hairdresser. I'm still Mm -hmm. a boring academic. But in a previous life, I used to be an interior decorator and I had my own soft furnishing store and I ran a workshop and I know how to sew. And I said to her, I can do that for you. So we okay. went back eight months later. I went back to the university I was teaching at and I said to my kids, you've, prob- you've probably worked out by now, I'm not like a, you know, a, a typical academic, <laughs> a typical professor you'll see at uni. So I went back to my kids at uni. I call everyone a kid at uni, whether you're 18 or whether you're 83. <laughs> <coughs> and I said to them, you know what, you all whinge at me that you've got to be at uni for three or four years to get your degree but then you can't have any experience and then when you go for a job, you can't get a job because you don't have experience, blah, blah, blah. Come and help me. I'm going to set up a sewing centre overseas. That's setting up an international business. Come with me. Get some experience. Yeah. So we did. We did. We did. But I haven't got to the fun part of the story. Want to hear the fun part? Yeah, definitely. So the two beautiful ladies that we met in the bar that night were actually nuns. (gasps) What? Undercover undercover nuns. They'd snuck into the bar to watch the footy and grab a beer. So Sister Kate and Sister Claudia, as we have found out, um, I still go and meet with them whenever I go back to Manila all these years later we still work with them and um, we go and she, Kate had said to me, she was this strange. She's like, for God's sake, whatever you do, don't tell anyone we're in the pub. I'm like,
1: yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. you just told sure. everybody in America <laughs> that you're in the pub. right?" Yeah.
3: Yeah. No, she knows I tell everybody because out of that great meeting, that great conversation, you know, we've trained nearly 5,000 people in hair cutting, but I haven't got to that yet. Just wanted to talk to you about the two nuns walked into a bar and now we have hair aid.
1: But, uh, so that's, uh, that's how it all got started. I can see how it's yeah. evolving. I'm, I'm, I'm so intrigued and so absorbed in your uh, story already. And yeah, you got This is just the, the I guess, the, the, the foreword, the opening, right? This. <laughs> yeah.
3: It's, everything that's happened has been quite remarkable. Um, and so, yeah, so I went back to the uni and I said to my kids, okay, who's going to help me? And eight months later we went back to Manila Um, My husband, myself, um, we took two seamstresses and um, three university students and we set up a sewing centre. Now that sewing centre is still in operation today and we trained 17 people, 17 parents, which meant that 17 children went home to a family with an income. Wow. Now I've got kids, right, and on a bad day I could have given one away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but can you imagine, can you imagine having three or four and sometimes six children and having to choose which one you're going to put on the street in the hope they can survive, in the hope that they'll be okay, in the hope that the right people will collect them. And sometimes you know what families do, they choose two of their children so that together they'll be stronger. Wow. You, you know. That's- people just, people
1: that's hard that's heartbreaking just, it's
3: horrible and it happens still today in 2020 it's still happening and so you know i'm not a hairdresser i haven't got to that bit yet but i'm not a hairdresser but people say to me why why do you do this why are you still doing that hair thing and i'm like why aren't you doing it is my answer because the value that we can do through hair aid and i know i haven't even shared what we do yet but is incredible. But anyway, so after Sister Kate had said to me, they wanted to set a sewing center. We did. And we trained some people. So I said, do you want me to do that again? And she said, yes. So we went back next year and we, we trained about 25 people. And I said, by this stage, cause I'm a business person, like, you know, I teach business, I do business. By this stage, I was like, well, there's so much else we can do. What else do you need? And they said English lessons because if people can speak better English, they can work in the markets. And I went, we can all speak English. That one's easy. Give me something else. <laughs> and, they, and they said haircutting because when you think about it, you're asking desperately poor people to get on a jeepney or some transport, to get to the sewing centre, to find the fabric, to make the product, to get the product back to market, to sell the product, to make some money. That's a lot of work when you've got no money and your children are dying. But being able to teach them hair cutting, where they can learn a skill of basic haircuts, not hairdressing, basic haircuts, and they can use that skill immediately while we're there, the instant we leave to start earning money and buying food, it's a no-brainer. And their their toolkit is small. It's a business in a bag. And they can transport that toolkit from province to province. They don't have to leave their community, their elderly parents, their children. They can stay with them. They can be safe. They start up a small little salon in the street under a banana tree on the side of the road. It's incredible what they can do with five days training, five basic skills, and a toolkit. It's life-changing.
0: How did you um? How did you find hairstylists to come and uh, volunteer for it, or did, did did you start off with hairstylists, or was it um? Or was it just, I don't know, teaching how to literally cut hair instead of like <laughs> really having any kind of uh, idea of what was going on? Does that make sense?
3: Yeah, yeah. I've never picked up a pair of scissors, and don't ever let me. Okay, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really good at what I do, but the hairstylists they blow me away. So what happened is. I came back to Australia when they said haircutting and I put a media piece in the local paper and I just said, this is what we're doing. Are there any hairdressers that would like to help? And the industry res- responded incredibly. That I have so many volunteers and so many helpers. When they knew we could go over there and change people's lives so quickly and so positively and so instantly, they were more than happy to get involved. So we're coming up to our you know like our 29th trip our ninth project wow. this week i fly out of australia in about four days time um we've trained more than five thousand people and we, i can't do hair aid without hairdressers i'm not a hairdresser i don't pick up scissors i've, I've done all the training i've done
0: <laughs> lots
3: of training 29 I times how, <laughs> i know how it goes i'm in awe of hairdressers I still look at them and go wow that's amazing what you do um but yeah without hairdressers I I can't do hair so I'm just honoured grateful humbled to be welcomed so warmly into the hairdressing industry here in Australia we're really well known um we get support from so many expos, Hair Expo, AHIA, all the associations, Australian Hairdressing Council. Um, and, you know, I've just been happily muddling along here in Australia doing all this and then people from overseas about three or four years ago started saying, can we come on projects? And I'm like, hell yeah, get on board, we need you. <laughs> and so, um, you know, and then, of course, through through the connections um, uh, We've ha- we've got some amazing hairdressers and hairstylists on board and don't take me this wrong, don't take this wrong the way I'm about to say this, but I don't care if you are a home stylist that works from your home salon or mm-hmm. you have, have one hairdresser a year 17 times, okay? Right. I don't care who you are, but I care that you're passionate about what you can do with your skills and that you've got the ability and capability to come and help and volunteer, um, so that we can do what we're doing and create better value and create better lives um, for those in desperate, desperate need.
1: Wow! And are you only in Cambodia, or what? How many how many countries are you in?
3: Man, we're everywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we started in Manila, so we've been there the whole ten years, the whole decade, um, and then we expanded to um, Cambodia. And we also work in Thailand and we also work in Indonesia as well. So last September was amazing. Uh, Indonesia is a really interesting country when we go there because predominantly we work with women that have been rescued from the sex trade or the drug lords or mafia or even enslaved um, or trafficked. So they're the very critical, very fragile um, people of need. Um, but in Indonesia, we work with a deaf community Okay, now I just want you to absorb that for a moment. I had to go and find a translator to translate Balinese language into um, Indonesian sign language, which is different to Australian sign language, which is different to American sign language, so that they could translate between our volunteers through the translator to the learners. And we trained 17 deaf people how to cut hair.
0: Wow. Uh, Selena, you know, Tony and I, we have a client who, um, she is, uh, she actually, uh, she teaches at Gallaudet University, which is our local deaf university here. And, mm-hmm. um, but she's also an expert on, on, um, on Vietnamese sign language. She did her thesis in, on, um, in Vietnamese because apparently that's on the French base because I guess, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. But um, but yeah, she was telling me, and I didn't know. Like you just mentioned, I didn't know that sign language. I thought sign language was its own language. I didn't realize that it had accents and and different languages. And um, you know, until actually until Tony and I started doing her hair, I I didn't realize that. But um, hey, if you ever do any, if you ever do any deaf people in Vietnam, I'm sure uh, I'm sure she would she would be more than yeah. willing to come and uh, hang out and and do some translation. Yeah,
3: and that and that's that's what Hair Aid is. It's about. It's not. There's so many other skills that are needed just as well as the haircutting. So we, you know, in that particular project as well, we went into the notorious Bali jail. It took me two years to get sign-off to go in, if you can imagine. Um, I don't know if you get to hear much about Australians and Bali and how we're often locked up or <laughs> no. arrested. No. Oh, we have some very we have some very high-profile, you know, Um, prisoners that have been arrested over the years and they go to, um, you know, the notorious Bali prison and it's it's a really tough space to be. But I started realising that, you know, many of the women that are in the jails are often in there because they've been arrested because they've stolen something and sold it to stay alive or they've been selling drugs for their drug lord bosses or they've been prostituting and it's typically the women that get arrested over there. Now these women, they're just—that's the only way they can earn money, and um, they don't have any other skills, and they don't have the capabilities, or the language, or the or the clothes, or the or the transport to even get to a training location to get skills and so here they are trying to make a living trying to feed their children they get arrested on the street they get taken straight to jail their children are left nobody goes for their children that's how we get street children created let me oh. tell you they get thrown into jail they might be there for three or four years now they don't have any outside support they don't have families coming in visiting them their children are who knows where People don't, often don't even know they've been put in jail. They just think the woman's gone. And they're in there for three or four years. So I thought if we can teach them a skill when they come out, they've got an ability not to go back to that previous life. So after two years, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, don't even want to tell you how many conversations and emails and, and um, that took. But we got approval to go into the jail and work there. So last September we trained 30 women wow and the joy on their face when they realized that their life had changed that when they get out they don't have to go back they they've got a new pathway they've got freedom they've got choices they can get more education one lady we trained to do hair cutting remember we're never teaching hairdressing we can't in 5 days we teach basic basic cuts and i want to talk about those basic cuts actually because i want to tell you why we do the five basic cuts that we do but we'll get to that i've so much to tell you i can't believe you haven't phoned me before now
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> this is a two podcast. this is a two-part podcast people okay now <laughs> but one of the ladies that we trained when we're in indonesia She, after the five days, and she was good. You know, she had some good skills. We knew that she'd make a go of this. She came over to me and she said, I want to bake. I want to bake cakes and pastries. And I went, okay. And she said, and now I can. And it's the fact that you've empowered that person when she gets out, she can earn money to get skills to follow her passion, which is to be a baker. I'm good with that. I'm real good with that, you know. Yeah, that's an I
0: didn't even see, right?
3: Oh, we, it, it is empowerment. It changed. It. We've been told so many stories from the community managers over there that often, and you know, I'm not. I'm not highlighting this as a gender thing because we do teach men, and we're starting up the the barbering courses, which we need a huge hand with. If there's any barbers listening here grab my email, write to me, send me, talk to me. We're starting barbering for men because we're doing it in the jails in Indonesia and we're doing it in Manila, massive area that we'll be working on in the future. So I don't want to make this about women. The Mm. women need a hand, but so do the men over there who just, they can't, there's no way they can earn a living to, you know, support their family and feed their children. So there's a desperate need there as well. But, Selena, before um, we
0: move forward, um, I, I, I have a question that I want to kind of uh, uh, ask before we move on. Is so, you trained thirty women in in the Bali prison. Um, how many? How many? Um, how many stylists were in support for that?
3: So inside, we had five. We had a team of five hair aid volunteers, and they helped train those thirty women over five days, Monday through Friday.
0: Is that the normal ratio? Is it about six to one um, when when you do these programs?
3: Yes and no. Was that a big enough answer? No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping you'd clarify.
3: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Because some locations we've been going to for a number of years and more and more people come back to be trained. So we have locals on the ground that we have trained, so they come with us. So in Manila next week, I've got seven locations where we'll be training at and I'll be sending two to three stylists and there are 20 to 25 trainees waiting for them but we will also have two to three local trainees that we have trained that will come to help us. So they're not fully qualified hairdressers, the local Mm -hmm. trainees, but we've got, we call them our trainers. We call them, you know, they're part of our hair aid family. So, you know, you could be there with two or three volunteers, or you could be in a location where there's five to six. So we want to give value while we're there. So, um, It's manic when we go training, by the way, because it's like, it's not, don't imagine that we go to a classroom where people sit and take notes training like we would. Right. You are, we train in the communities. We train in basketball courts. We train on the road. Sometimes the government closes the highway, a lane in the highway down. This is not a joke. You can talk to Benny Tognini, who who is our Australian Hair Aid Ambassador and has been on five projects so far. I sent him to a graveyard once because that's where the people lived inside the crypts. And I said, Benny, there's 30 people in there. You've got to train them. He also, I also had him on a highway that that the government had closed down one lane because that was the only place we could train. We've trained in church halls We've trained in um, banana leaf plantations underneath them. We've got chickens running around our feet, motorbikes, dogs, <laughs> cats,
1: kids. Do you guys use like mannequin heads or do you use actually live heads? Live. Live, live, live. We don't have time for mannequin
3: heads. It is, got, you're thinking we're, have a, you know, we've got five days to change their lives and we've got five days to help them start creating a client list. So we use the people in the, we'll walk through the community with signs on our backs and encouraging the tuk-tuk drivers to come along and other families to come and get free haircuts. So that they, the trainees start getting a client list so that when we go, they go back to them for their haircuts. So we're creating the businesses for them as we go. We, we're fast and furious when we're in there. Trust us. That's
1: brilliant. Uh, uh, this is kind of like off subject it's you know because everything's been so positive but you've mentioned several times these gangs the mafia do you guys ever feel threatened or do these people ever feel threatened that the uh these people are going to come back after them because they know something or they know too much i mean that could be quite scary did have you guys ever experienced that
3: no and the reason is we don't do that part of the rescue we work with organisations that are equipped and many years' experience who have already gone in and rescued these people and they've put them in restoration spaces. So they've already been looked after. Sometimes when, um, when we go to Cambodia, there's women's only locations and they're locked down. So the location, we're not allowed to tell anybody um, and we go in with that organisation into their, their space the gates are locked, um, it's, it's, it's very well um, managed, supported. But in many, many of the times, that women have already left the restoration spaces and they've gone back into the community. So there's an out-service care and they'll be like, they might be living back on the streets or in the, in the slums and they just go there for you know training or for future support. So we're not involved in that high-level rescue space um that would be far too dangerous and we're not equipped for that we're we're part of the chain where they're ready to get a skill and move on with their life so it's you know it's don't it's confronting though you know when you we we live a privileged life you know we so live a privileged life like you know just referring back to the fires here in Australia right now people's homes have been lost like communities and towns have been lost we're all going through our cupboards here and we've got way too many sheets and blankets and clothes and everything and we're we're piling our clothes up and we're taking them to the refuge center. We live a privileged life. We can get health care, dental care, mm. we can, you know, if, if we don't have a job, we've got social security, um, you know, we have a place to sleep. Even though we have many homeless in our in our communities, we understand that. But the critical poverty that these people live in is confronting and it's real and it's raw and where we go you'll see that but when you see what hair aid can do to change that that's what gets people coming back for we've got someone coming back on their seventh project next week
0: that's amazing you know it's selena um you uh you mentioned that um you were going to explain why you teach the five haircuts that you teach can we get into that
3: Yeah, so you know, back to the nuns drinking beer in the pub, right? Um, when they said hair cutting to me, I, I'm an academic, so I, I, I ask why all the time. You know, I, I've got one of these heads that I need to know all the answers until I'm comfortable. So I said to her, why hair cutting? And she said, because it's illegal for boys to go to school if their hair touches their collar over
0: here. Wow. And that's 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 not uh, school dictated, that's dictated by the government or something? That's law by the government. Now that's
3: throughout Southeast Asia as well, I found out. So same in Thailand, Cambodia, not so much Indonesia, um, but the Philippines. So there are regulation haircuts that children must have, otherwise they can't go to school. Now, I just want you to picture that for a moment. You've seen things on the television where you know you know some some young gentleman or young lady has just graduated from university because her poor parents who live in the slums the dad worked five jobs for 20 years to pay her education or his education and blah 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 right right there's many people in the street in the slums who the own everything they do is to getting their children into education because they know that's provides a different pathway. They would do everything. they go without food to put that child in school. Now, if that child's hair grows as it does and it touches the collar or the girls don't have a regulation haircut, they can't go to school. So the parents are faced with, I've got 50 pesos. Will I buy rice to feed our family of seven or will I get my son's haircut so that he can go to school? And you know what the choice is, the haircut, oh. because that's the way forward. And if and not only that, you know, this this regulation haircut, if that's not the biggest barrier to education for people who are striving to do everything they can to send their children to school, I don't know what is. And I have made it, you know, I really want to change that. I want to change that law over there before I leave this planet. Um, because it as an educator myself and, and a you know a strong believer in education that that just it tears me up to know that but on the other side of that if children have to have regulation haircuts then that creates micro businesses all over in the street and slum communities And um, many of the people in the de- in the developing countries that have money the richer families they'll also employ people from the street and slums to come in and cut their home help hair. So some of the rich families might have five or six houseboys and girls and they need their hair cut because they need to be presentable for when guests come over. Did you hear the sarcasm in my voice when I said that? (laughs) Mind-blowing. I don't understand the world sometimes. But so when, when Sister Kate explained this to me, I said, well, what type of haircuts do they need? Now, the first one is a straight cut. And, you know, like I'm not a hairdresser, but, you know, I'm talking to hairdressers or the hairdressers are listening in here. It's a straight haircut. We teach them that on day one and they get it. They're incredible. And then girls can have a soft forward diagonal forward fold. Fold. I don't think that's the right word today, but anyway. Or they can have a soft back. They call it a bishop cut over there. So it's like a diamond at the back, if that makes sense, if you can. Help oh, yeah, me with the right yeah, terminology. Yeah, yeah. So that's we're up to three haircuts. Okay. Girls can have a little graduation bob, you know, little bob star, which they call an apple cut over there. Apple, apple, give me apple. <laughs> and then short back and sides for men, nothing else for men. Okay. So on day one, we teach them straight cuts. By lunchtime, they've cut their first cut their first haircut. By the end of day one, they've cut three or four straight cuts. Wow. On day two, we teach them forward diagonal and backward diagonal because, as you, you know, you, as hairdressers, it's just a little small variation of the straight cut, forward, back. And then we sneak in layers on day two as well. <laughs> just teach them how to do it. Basic, just basic. And then on day three, we teach, start teaching them the graduation now, that's harder, yeah. but they they get it. If you have a look at some of the photos on our Facebook page, it's they're amazing. Not everyone's amazing, but they understand it and they've been exposed to it. And then on Thursday, we teach men's cuts, all right, scissor over comb. We don't do clippers generally because there's no good teaching them that they don't live anywhere where there's electricity. <laughs>
0: Touche. So scissor
3: over comb it is. And they get it. They get it. They're amazing. We've got videos on our on our Facebook page and our web page. You can have a look at how good they are. But even those that don't, aren't amazing on that, you know, that during those first five days training, they've got the tools and the skills and they'll keep training. They'll walk out in the street, they'll just cut people's hair. They'll just grab right. people, put them down start cutting hair. But they'll be amazing in two or three weeks' time and it's enough for them. To earn a living, and then on Friday, because we actually have training cards, and all the trainees have to sign off, and you know we give them a certificate. Now, in our world, everybody gets a certificate, don't they? They go to school, you get it. Everybody gets a certificate for turning up sometimes, but for these people, getting that certificate is probably the pinnacle of their life. They they regard that certificate as a four-year grad university degree. They guard it with their life. Um, and we have a graduation ceremony. We make it very special and we bring cake and we clear out the area and we put it down a pretty tablecloth and we get one-by-one one individual photos and we make it super special for them. And then we gift them a scissor kit, a basic scissor kit. I call wow. it a business in a bag, but one set of shears, one comb, Four section clips. And if we've got enough donated, P.S. I need 2500 a year from somebody. <laughs> did you see how I did that? Yeah, um, I like that. Um, a, a, a cape as well. If we don't have enough capes, that's okay. We give them um, recyclable towels that they can just put on people's shoulders. But that's it. Scissor. Sh- sorry, shears for you guys. <laughs> Scissor, shears. Section clips, comb, cape in a zip-up bag. Their life has changed. Five days, business in a bag, and their life has changed. We we trained trained our five thousand person last year, which even That's I insane. was a bit even I was a bit proud of that one.
0: You should be. You should be very proud, Selena. This is this is an amazing organization doing some amazing stuff. Um, so here, so Tony and I are in. So, kind of walk us through, like, like what should I pack? You know, do I do, do I need uh do I need Outback boots? Do I need jeans? Do I need sweatpants? You know, what, what what's that like? How 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 do we get over shorts. there? <laughs> exactly shorts. Yeah, yeah, just kind of walk us through, like, like if, you know, for the for for hairstylists that want to get involved, like you know, are there are there accommodations taken care of or, or just kind of walk us through, you know, like you were pitching us um, to come over?
3: Right. So what happens is we need people that can give us basically seven days of their life. So they need to be able to fly from their home country on Saturday, land in one of these countries where we train on Sunday, and they need to stay there all the way till either the Friday night or the next Saturday. So it's basically seven days of their life. Now, we are a charity. We don't get government funding. We don't get, um, we get little corporate support. So that's something I'm working on at the moment to try and improve that. Um, So volunteers pay their own way. um, You can't, I know the listeners can't see where I am, but I'm sitting in my lounge room right now. and That's Hair Aid headquarters. Um, (laughs) Wherever I, we don't have an office. We don't have cars. We don't have anything. Every single person in Hair Aid is a volunteer. Nobody gets paid. Myself included.
2: Wow. So
3: the volunteers raise money to come over. So they need a plane flight and then they need, it's basically works out to about $1,300 or $1,500, depending on which project you go on. So I think, um, so Thailand is um, 1500 because there's an extra plane flight for us to get you to where you need to be. And, this and the is, rest when the, you say
0: 1500 that's uh, that's US dollars?
3: Yeah, yeah, I converted that.
0: Nice, good that was job. Pretty good, yeah. <laughs> good job, <laughs> Made professor. It easy for us. <laughs>
3: <laughs> for all the Australians listening, it's eighteen hundred bucks.
0: Yeah, that's
3: So fifteen hundred
0: dollars gets me to, into a hair aid, and it gets me there for seven days.
3: Yeah, plus your plane flight. You got to get pay for your plane
0: flight okay, as well. plus your so plane, whatever okay. that is,
3: right? So um, now with that, with your project cost, that covers seven nights accommodation, all your transport on the ground, your team T-shirts, your project insurance, your translator costs that we have in the project, any hall hire that we have to have, the graduation certificates, the graduation cakes, any logistics, any administration, any resources I have to buy. Right. Okay. Every now and then someone says to me, hey, Selena, can you give me a breakup of that? And I'm like, yeah, no, I
0: can't. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 that's going to happen. So um so, so so back to my silly question to begin with. So how how does one pack for uh for such an adventure? Yeah, do but we it's, bring it's, our
1: own cheers and our own equipment?
0: No.
3: So we get you to use the tools that the trainees use and we do that for a number of reasons. One, your tools can't be lost or stolen. Two, it makes you have to actually use all the tools that we're gifting out at the end of the week, so you can check them to make to make sure they're okay and they're safe, and well, they need adjusting that type of thing. And it also puts you in a situation where, when you're a stylist and you've got a lot of experience and you're used to using high quality tools, all of a sudden you're back in the role of a first time learner with the tools. The shears we give them, they're not they're not superstar tools they're basic tools they're sturdy durable tools that will get them through and they'll be able to use for a long time so it sort of puts you back a little bit you know in their in their sort of role so you don't bring your own tools but you do need to come along you're only allowed to wear um the hair aid t-shirts during the day of the project um and you know there's no shoulders showing there's no boobs showing you're not allowed to wear leggings or gym wear there's no butts hanging out um, you have to wear long cotton pants, you know, like the hippie Harem pants or the yeah, yeah we boho pants. Um, and you need to wear light clothing. If anyone brings jeans, we're gonna it'll take us till about Wednesday to stop laughing at you because it's so hot, <laughs> so hot over there. And you know you have to wear old sneakers. But I'm a bit mean as well. I like beer and I'm mean. That's the two things people are going to take away from this conversation. Um, I Nobody's allowed to wear makeup. Nobody's allowed to wear brand name shoes. As in, if you've got an old pair of Nikes, sure, put them on. But don't wear your brand new Nike trainers or whatever, you, your Adidas, and flick them around in the community. These people can't feed their children. They will knock you over and take your shoes for, you know, because right. that's what they do. They're desperate. I would do that if I had to feed my children as well. Um, so don't do that. No jewelry, no bling. Really tough gig for hairdressers. You know, I just want to say to them: no makeup and that. And I even say to them: you. It, most people get their nails done and all that. That's all good. But when you're on the project, you'll you'll wear pearl or nude or really really soft pink nails because mm-hmm. we don't want to intimidate our learners, and we don't want our learners looking at us. We already look weird to them. You know, we've all got different colour hair and different skin and we talk a different language. I don't have time for the trainers, sorry, for the trainees to want to look at the at their stylists and talk about their earrings or their bracelets or where did you get those shoes? I wish I had those shoes. I need you to be so nondescript as much as possible with all the hair colours hair stylists mm-hmm. have. But I need you to be really nondescript so that we can just get in and do this really valuable work without any distractions. Plus, the other side of it is, you know, you're not a victim of crime. You know, you're less of a target for them because you're just basically wearing old daggy long pants and, um, you know, your hair-aid T-shirt and your hair-aid cap, basically. We all sort of look quite the same by the time we're dressed
0: like that. I love it. Uh, uh, so does, um, does a, as a guy, should I take my wedding band off as well?
3: No, you can wear, your, you can wear wedding rings, um, mm-hmm. you know, and plain bands. And I, I say to um, the ladies that are joining us, you know, if you've got any big bling in your rings, your jewelry, mm-hmm. um, and you don't want to take it off for whatever reason, because I do understand that people have that, you turn it around so that the rock sits inside your hand and put a band aid on it. So you can't be seen. Just, you know, it's it's respect for our trainees as much as a safety but also I had it explained to me by one of our community managers in Thailand once that was the best explanation. I did it, I made these rules up, no jewellery, no loud shirts, no brand names, no everything because I was taking university kids originally to help out and I was responsible for them and I, I know what uni kids are like, you know, they're all loud and <laughs> proud and all the rest of it. Um, And I just needed to tone it down and keep them all safe. But one of the community managers in Thailand said to me one day, she said, I'm so glad that, you know, they don't have the makeup and the, you know, all all the bling all over them. And she said, you know why? She said because she, she was actually Canadian working in Thailand. And she said, you know, when you were in school and you were growing up and, you know that really cool chick walked into the room, and she had that false eyelashes, and the hair was done. She had the best school bag, and the right shoes, and the miniskirt, and the good bunny and the boobs. And she said, "You were frightened of her. You were intimidated. You didn't want to approach her."
2: Right.
3: And she said, "She said that's what it would be. It's like when foreigners come in here." She said, "But you guys come in here, and you're just like one of us." And I'm like, "Yeah." So that that explanation for me was was really um you know really sort of
1: told me almost, that almost I'm, right. yeah, yeah, I'm not being mean it makes total right. sense I mean you don't want to not go being in there, mean right but you don't want to go in there and show off look what I have you know what I mean and they, and they start envying and start you know it, it's one. you are right it's a little disrespectful to the community but two, yeah. it totally makes sense you know because it does it once envy and all that sets in they're going to try to, you know, if, if they're not, uh, you know, morally, like where you are, they're going to try to take it. And and, and so it makes Absolutely. so much sense. So much sense. So how can our Absolutely. listeners, if they do want to get involved, or how do they follow you and how do they just, how do they learn about all this?
3: Right. Well, let's just, let's just all understand that I'm useless at Instagram, right? Okay. But I do have an Instagram page. <laughs> 2020, I am so going to get someone to help me with Instagram. We do have an Instagram page, but I'm, it's really bad. And I've had the best of the best teach me. I had Tabitha coffee one day <laughs> in the back blocks of um, where, where are we are in Cambodia. And she's like, got her phone out. And she's just like, you just do this tap, 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 chip, chip. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're doing. I can't get it right. And she's I'm thinking, I just had the best social medias in the world. Give me a five-minute lesson I still have no idea what I'm doing. So if there's any companies out there that want to help me with my Instagram, social media, please let me know. But I'm okay at Facebook. So Facebook, you can find me and, you know, you've got lots of vision there and stuff like that. And we've just launched our new web page. Hooray for Selena. www.hairaid.org.au. Cool thing. I'm the only Selena Tomasich in the world. So if you Google me, no, nope, I'm not kidding. You can Google that. There's a website, you know, if you want to check out how many other people are named, what you're named. I am the only Selena
0: Tomasich in the world. Selena Tomasich, you should probably uh, uh, go through the spelling then.
3: Yeah, okay. So it's S-E-L-I-N-A-T-O-M-A-S-I-C-H. So if you Google me, or you Google Hair Aid, we're the only hair Aid in the world as well. And we are in five different countries, so we've got ambassadors in the UK, Sweden, Canada, New Zealand, Australia. And of course, we've got the beautiful Tabitha Coffee um, that um, looks after us and helps shout out about us in America as well. So you know, we're, we're global. Small little, small little Australian initiative that the world has embraced, and everyone's getting together and helping us do that. So we need more volunteers. Here's just a little quick, quick plug. We've just started doing manicure and pedicure training for the women over there as well. We trialed it a couple of years ago. It was incredibly successful. We trained 240 women in one week and every single one of them got a job in a paying salon. They wow. didn't even have to start their own business. So um, we're, we have to expand that. Um, it's just, yeah, you know, time, capacity, funding hasn't allowed me to do that yet. But when we do that, you know, hair aid, will expand do that so barbers stylists manicurists we need you i'm not a hairdresser i can't do this can't do it at all without you so we've got eight international projects a year get involved
0: wow get involved i think on that on that note i think i think we wrap this up um selena thank you so much i'm I'm also going to give a big shout out and thank uh, thank tabitha for hooking us up um um, we're just Tony and I are absolutely positively and interested in in, in in coming out and meeting you um, in you know Cambodia or Bali. I mean Bali sounds pretty sweet, but you know we're definitely um, we're well, definitely going to try to make this happen.
3: Great. Just P.S. In Bali,
2: mm-hmm.
3: we're building a tra- a permanent training salon inside the jail this year because the training was so successful, and we're going to build a barber shop in the men's. Jail.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh huh. And whatever but, we can. So do, much is
1: happening. Yeah. Whatever we can do, that you know, to help spread the, the 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 great news that you're doing and and trying to you know get more volunteers involved and like like Corey said, we are definitely um, you know what I mean. We're in it with you now, and we love you know love what what you're doing. You, you said little, but you got these long arms because you're reaching so many countries. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. That's yeah
1: awesome.
3: so thank you guys thanks thanks for your time today and thanks to the listeners 100%. um you know as i said the hairdressing industry has really embraced what we do and um yeah very thankful very grateful very humbled
0: well we're thankful for you much selena tomasich thank yes. you very very much <laughs> for joining us on your day off